Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. All right, well, thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Appreciate you joining us as always. And, you know, when it comes to giving birth, there are three options, home birth, birthing centers, and hospitals. But what if the option a mom chooses isn't located close to her? Some women have traveled many hours to be able to give birth in the environment that they want. And today's guest did just that. She wanted to give birth in a birthing center. So she had to travel two hours in labor to the closest one. And after giving birth, she and her husband decided that they wanted to open a birthing center in their community. Now, to do that, they had to submit an application for something called a certificate of need, which would show that there is a need in the community for the services that they're wanting to provide. In essence, a government permission slip. And one of the requirements for the birthing center was that they had to have a, a transfer agreement with a local hospital. And this is where Katie Chubb hit a government barrier. Katie, thank you for coming on today and for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So first of all, I understand it has here in my notes, you were born in England. So I got to hear that story, yeah. first of all. Yes. Yeah, so my husband is American. So um, it just made more sense for me to move over here. He's a U.S. Navy veteran who is going into government contracting. So with his security clearance, it made more sense for me to move over here than him to move to the U.K. There was a lot more opportunity over here. Yeah. And did did you meet him? You met him in England in the ser- in the service or did you meet him somewhere else? Actually, I met him over here when I was on vacation oh, over here. Okay. And um, yeah, we've been together since uh, we got married in 2009. Gotcha. Okay. Well, listen, I, we've talked a little bit, I think, on this podcast previously about certificate of need. And, you know, I describe it as a government permission slip, right? That the government says, here, you can go do this. And I, I in fact, I was in Alaska last week and I was talking to someone about certificate of need, actually a state legislator who just didn't understand why we would want to get rid of certificate of need. It's, it was terrible, they were saying, for us to want to get rid of it. And I explained MRIs and looking at uh, the MRI facilities. And if you look at places like Arizona, where there's lots of MRIs, MRIs are much cheaper than they are in Alaska, where they're tightly controlled by certificate of need. And so we've talked through that aspect of it and how it lowers kind of the healthcare costs. But the other thing that it does is increase choices and options. And that's really what your story is when it comes to talk about certificate of need. So before we get into all of that, I mean, how many kids do you have? Several kids or how many children do you have? I actually, so um, since uh, starting this lawsuit, I've actually gained another child. So I have two biological and we are currently in the process to adopt a baby. Uh, We just replaced with a baby. Uh, from a safe haven abandonment in North Georgia. Oh, gosh. So I now have three boys. Wow, that's <laughs> great. Well, bless you for doing that. That's great. Um, so you're you're trying to get this birthing center open. Um, what else What else are you doing? What else are you working on? 
So due to the long time this is going to take to get this birth center open with changing the regulations around certificate of need, uh, I've gone back to school to do nursing and hopefully go uh, further that into medical school, go into obstetrics and try and bridge this gap between midwifery and obstetrics. And in the US, it's almost seen as if midwifery is not the best care there is. And everywhere else in the world, midwifery is your front line and then obstetrics is your fallback. And in the US, we have obstetrics at the front line. And this is why our obstetricians are getting burnt out. I didn't have a single obstetrician who opposed me for the certificate of need for opening a birth center. Every single one said, we need this. We are exhausted. We need you to take the low risk cases so we can focus on the high risk cases mm -hmm. so we can help more mothers. And this way we can lower the maternal mortality together. And I thought that was brilliant. That's great. But their own hospitals that they work for just saw women as numbers. And that is why Augusta has a maternal mortality rating that's worse than Syria and Cuba. It's horrendous to give birth here. And a lot of it is we're overworking people. We don't have access to services. One of the hospitals that opposed me only has eight maternity beds. And I know this because my classmates are now doing maternity rotations there. So they only have eight beds. And even a small birth center coming in with three or four beds is a big threat to them. And it's like going to going to question your uh, your business uh, competitors for permission to open. Of course, they're going to say sure. no. And of course, they're going to find every loophole. But certificate of need is so much more than birth centers. It's NICU beds. It is labor and delivery beds. It is ERs. We've just had a huge fight here in Columbia County over a freestanding ER. Um, so part of my work right now is I'm getting very heavily involved with political advocacy, getting involved with finding out what is going on behind the scenes. Why are these certificate of need laws still here? Like what's what's going on behind the curtains? Because something's not adding up. These laws don't help anybody. This is something that Republicans, Libertarians, Democrats, everybody can agree on from a different standpoint. These laws don't work. You know, but still they're here. Yeah. And you talked about competitors, right? And, you know, this is the problem, whether it's licensing, you know, we have the same issue sometimes in licensing, right? Where you have barbers and, you know, you have in a state, a barber uh, a board that decides who gets to be barbers and what the qualifications are to be a barber and those sorts of things. Well, guess who sits on that? Barbers, right? So they're, they're going to want to restrict the number of competitors that come into the market. And that's a common problem. And you see that with certificate of need as well, where a hospital or someone will make every argument they can that, oh, if if we can't, you know, if, if this uh, birthing center comes in, we won't be able to make the money necessary to keep this other part of the hospital open. It, it's all protectionism, isn't it? Absolutely. And what's the most hilarious point about our case is when the two hospitals, Augusta University and University Hospital, which is now Piedmont, went to Certificate of Need with their appeals and said, hey, these the, these businesses are going to cause us to lose money, was their first argument. And the government came back and said, no, they're not. They're going to cause you to gain money and you are not providing enough services to your people. So the government even agreed with our standpoint. And then secondly, uh, one of the hospitals tried to fight and said, we didn't have enough um, drugs in our birth center. We should have half a million dollars worth of medication in our natural birth delivery center. Mm -hmm. And this was the kind of arguments they were throwing at us just to get us to go away. And so we obviously fought that. 
And the transfer agreement um, was the one clause. And we have a fantastic attorney. And we said, is this law as it's intended or, or the regulation is it intended or is as written? Because the law says we have to have a transfer agreement with the local hospital. So what we did to get around that, because the hospitals were, we knew they were going to use this to oppose this. We informed the government they were using this to oppose this, which is restriction of free trade. It's also violating my ninth and 14th amendment rights. So we said, what can we do? And they said, well, nothing, because you have to have a direct transfer from the Augusta Birth Center to a hospital with a level two NICU. So I have a friend who's a maternal fetal medicine doctor, which is a very, very skilled obstetrician. And she has transfer agreements to all three hospitals. So I just used her. I said, let's transfer through you to all three hospitals. Problem solved. But also there's a regulation that's a federal law called MTALA, the Emergency Medical uh, Transport Act, which says that I can take any pregnant woman and a baby and drop them at any hospital. And legally, by federal law, they have to accept them. And that law overrides the transfer agreement. So the certificate of need doesn't know what they're doing in yeah. their own system. Well, is, this is another point. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, that that's the, the, the medical ethic. I mean, obviously, if there is an issue and you need to get, uh, you know, one of these babies some uh, to a NICU, they're going to take the baby, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have to. Yeah, by law, absolutely. they have to. And by morality, they have to, right? <laughs> by ethics. Yeah. And something we, we've always said is we're not people who are going to say, no, you shouldn't be doing home birth or no, you shouldn't be going to the hospital. We're here as a safe in-between option. And we're an option that the American Association of Obstetricians and Gynecologists says the safest place for a woman to give birth is in an accredited birth center or a hospital. And we mm -hmm. are an accredited birth center. Right. So even their own practice of medicine is saying that this is a good option but yet they're going against what's been said. So um, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we're investigating and it might be the Augusta good old boys club. Yeah. But as I keep telling them, they haven't met millennial women, especially ones from England. I'm not going to drop it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm well, going to keep going. Well, and that's great, Katie. I'm glad that you do, because again, it's people like you who keep pushing against these barriers that, that help break them. And you're not just breaking it for you. You're breaking it for other people around the country. The best solution to this would be to repeal the certificate of need law altogether, right? I mean, isn't that the ultimate solution would be to just repeal certificate of need in this in this state? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, already this year, we've had two infant deaths that could have been prevented had we had a birth center here as an option. I have people calling me every day asking for a birth center option. And because there isn't one, I send them either to the local hospitals who opposed me. I still send them people or I send them to another birth center. But because the options have become so limited, women are giving birth at home unassisted because they can't afford anything else. And I've just got called by an investigator to see if I could be an expert witness on a case where a baby has died because there's no options. So this is now impacting in a pro-life state such as Georgia. You're now impacting human life. Mm -hmm. This is getting serious. And I think the lawmakers need to see this as a human life instead of just numbers. Yeah. And your our, your argument is, I mean, obviously the best thing would be to just repeal certificate of need, but th this hospital and others are using the requirement of this transfer agreement within the certificate of need framework to prohibit, to, to create a barrier from you opening a birthing center and providing this choice to, to women as an option to give birth, correct? Correct. And they are going to continue to lose, use that loophole. There's two other birth centers in Georgia that have reached out to me. And they said, since they can't 
they've seen our case and how well put together our case was and the fact the government said your case is excellent you hit every single point oh apart from this transfer agreement so we can't let you open sorry and that was the end of it so we're now putting off other birth centers we were the first birth center to apply in 15 years we got two million of funding we had 500 letters from women saying this was needed but because of the internal corruption of the certificate of need it's it's not going to work and i used to think that maybe we should just repeal the birth center part but now i'm seeing that ambulatory surgery centers we need more of them we need more community hospitals what happened with atlanta uh wellstar where i actually ended up giving birth to my son we those hospitals are now going because of so many regulations like certificate of need um south carolina west virginia just got rid of them we need to repeal it we need to move georgia into the 21st century because currently we're i feel like we're in the 19th so do these do these hospitals not understand that they're dealing with a woman who traveled two hours in labor uh, to give birth. I mean, that's pretty tough. They, I don't think they know what they're up against at the moment, Katie. <laughs> I don't think they do. <laughs> they do understand I did 52 hours of natural labor. So oh. um, I'm not willing to give up. And also my husband is a big, he helped us write the 800 page certificate of need. I have two brilliant um, partners in my business, uh, Dr. Mai Bloodsore and Kimberly Queen, nurse practitioner. And both of them have also been pushing for advocacy, reform and change. And um, I don't think the hospitals know like how angry we are as women right now to be told that we don't have options. And especially here in Augusta, the black maternal mortality rate is five times higher than anywhere else. And this needs to change. We are a pro-life state, yet babies are dying and mothers are dying. And I see this as a foster parent on the foster care end. Like this is a, it's a drop down system. It all starts from birth. If we can provide women education, empowerment, and just everything they need from the start, we can give so much more and take some of the stress off the other systems. But because the hospitals only see a number, they refuse to work with us. And we've reached out to them and we've even reached out to them after certificate of need and said, hey, work with us. And they still won't because it might cost them a dollar. Yeah, because it's competition, right? So yeah, they'd rather yeah. just keep the monopoly on this that they have. Um you mentioned an 800 page that that's the certificate of need application is 800 pages. Yes, we wrote, um, we compiled together, I think it was 832 pages over a month. Um, a lot of things that 200 pages at the time were documents from people saying how much they wanted a birth center and their experiences with medical care here. We had architectural plans, um, properties lined up to purchase. We had funding. We had everything. Basically, the certificate of need is a very, very rigorous business plan where every single number is scrutinized. And if there's a sent off, you're going to be thrown out. So that's the level of detail we put into this and everything was perfect. And that is a threat to the hospital when you have something that good. And we even proved from the Atlanta Birth Center and the Atlanta Medical Center, their reciprocal relationship they actually ended up, the, the Atlanta Medical Center ended up making a million dollar profit from women who would not have normally gone to Atlanta Medical Center to give birth. So we proved there was a profit too to be made. But just because people can't read 800 pages, a lot of the hospitals thought it's just easier to oppose us. Yeah. Um, so if, if certificate of need were repealed in Georgia, you'd be able to open the birthing center as soon as ever, as soon as that law passed, right? Correct. I'd be out there with a shovel the next day. I'm ready to go. And, and, and you don't need, I mean, you, you, this transfer agreement, you wouldn't even 
need really, because if there is an no. issue, you already would have that worked out and be able to transfer it to a NICU at one of the existing facilities. Correct. And a lot of NICU doctors reached out to me behind the scenes and talked about doing a partnership um, with or without the hospitals because they are furious. Yeah. So, so why explain why some women may prefer to give birth in a birthing center as opposed to a hospital? What, what are some of the advantages there? So a lot more women are wanting to have a hands-off birth experience, no IVs, very natural, giving birth in the water, having family involvement, being in tune with their body. Um, a lot of women want to experience natural labor uh, without augmentation, without oxytocin. Uh, they want to have that immediate skin-to-skin bonding. They want to be able to labor in their own positions and move around. And that was a big draw for me, is I wanted to have a labor experience that I would have had anywhere in the world had I not been in the U.S. And I could only have that at a birthing center or at a home birth. And because it was my first child, I figured it was safer to go to a birth center. Yeah. Um, a lot of women want, you know, the more holistic approach, and it's a good balance between holistic and medicine. You have your nurse midwives who are nurse practitioners, advanced practitioners of nurse midwifery taking care of you along the way. And you have a obstetrician overseeing. And of course, with our birth center, we have obstetrician, family doctors, pediatricians. Everybody is on our board and on our group text. So we have the biggest board of doctors to consult with if anything, we need anything. Um, and if there's an emergency or anything, we transfer to a hospital. If you look at Atlanta Birth Center, they've been in operation 13 years. They've had zero maternal or fetal deaths, zero. And I think that is the I think that number is the biggest threat to the hospitals mm-hmm. is the fact that it's at zero. Something's going right with the birth centers, and they're noticing a lot more because of the intimate relationship between the midwife and the patient. Mm-hmm. And and you're not um, how often. Do you have an issue like that where you have to transfer someone to a NICU? So it's less than 1%. Um, I was actually a birth center transfer in Atlanta. Uh, My first son was facing the wrong way. Um, He wouldn't turn around. So after the last part of labor and transition, I decided I made the call to transfer to the medical center. And I was part of that 1%. And Atlanta Medical Center got 150 grand for my insurance because of that. And that was 150 grand they would not have got had I stayed in Augusta. Mm-hmm. So that's how the hospitals would make their money um, in the case of transfer. But also my baby arrived safely. The midwives were with me every step of the way, including the cesarean holding my hand. And I felt very supported and cared for after. And I was told of my options and advocacy. And definitely for patients, a big thing I'm noticing as a nursing student is the ability to consent. This is a new thing which women are learning. Like we do have the ability to say, no, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And having a birth center, we're taught you can say yes, you can say no. And giving that choice is very empowering in a world of maternity care and birth where you've been told to sit down and be quiet. Mm-hmm. So, so you believe that this is basically lawyers for the hospitals using this law, the certificate of need law, and particularly this uh, transfer agreement that that it's just lawyers for these hospitals that are kind of using this to prevent competition with their client, the hospital. Is that, is that essentially how you see this? Absolutely. Because as an example, one of the hospital's obstetricians didn't even know that we existed. 
So the lawyers are doing things without talking to the doctors. And even when we've got, we actually went to a third hospital to try and partner. We got the all the obstetricians, the head obstetricians for the Healthcare Association of America. We got all of them on board from way, way above them. And then we brought it down. We tried a top to bottom approach and the lawyers at the hospital level stopped it before it even got to their personal obstetricians. They didn't put a signature on the paper. Mm-hmm. So it's just a profit thing. It's not even a, a caring for the well-being of your community. So you could have just given up. Doesn't sound like you're the kind of person that would do that. I, I would never I would never fight someone who spent two hours in labor in a car on the way to, <laughs> to, give, to give birth. But uh, it sounds like you could, you know, that was one option. You could have just given up or you could fight and uh, just work on this one issue. But it seems like you're even beyond that. You're going to keep pushing this until you get this birthing center but in addition, you want certificate of need repealed because you've un, you now understand that it isn't just birthing centers that it affects. It affects the entire medical community, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And Americans for Prosperity has been instrumental in helping with this. And they've opened my eyes to cases that I didn't even know about, such as the getting an MRI machine, getting a, a PET scanner, everything that is to do with medical has been so tightly regulated now by the government um, and having them working on the, the two law changes, state bill 168 and state bill 99, as well as working on our own lawsuit with Pacific legal foundation and going at that from two angles. So we have four things coming at the same time at the certificate of need, everything working together, it will eventually, it's it's going to have to break down. We can't continue like this and people can't continue to lose care. Mm-hmm. And you're working to get the law repealed, right? So how, I am attempting, yes. <laughs> yeah, you are attempting. So how is that, how is that going? How do let, I mean, are you running up against legislators who, what, what's the argument against repealing this law? Control, control. Um, the hospital association of Georgia, the Community Hospital Association of Georgia, uh, seems to have very deep pockets and seems to have their hands everywhere. Um, and they seem to believe that a certificate of need is a good thing, even though they've had three local hospitals here in Augusta fight each other for 10 years to each get a freestanding ER. And it ended up with a judge saying, each of you can have an ER after 10 years. That's 10 years of people not having health care. Sure. In certain areas. So, um, and, and and let me let me use that example. Why wouldn't we want three ERs in a, in a community? Exactly. Because it's competition, and it would drive down the cost. Uh, now, I could understand if you're one hospital, you want to be the only hospital that has an ER. I get that because you're looking after yourself. But if you're caring about patients and the consumer, you would want there to be as many um, ERs as as the community could support. Correct? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's all about cost. Yeah. And and it seems like, you know, th- that's the funny thing about the free market is, you know, would that community support three or four or five? The free market is pretty good at sorting those things out. In fact, they're a lot better at sorting those things out than government is at sorting out how many ERs should be in a community. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that um, especially nonprofit healthcare, such as like a small birth center, we shouldn't be subject to the same laws as giant hospitals. The The fact that the hospitals were allowed to even compete against me and write appeals and write um, 
briefed against me is ridiculous. A hospital is not a birth center and a birth center is not a hospital. We're different entities, but still the government allowed them to write against us. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, what else should we need? What, what else have I not asked you that you think is important to this story that, that maybe I've missed? Is there any, any aspect of it that I've missed? Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, the, there's been some very interesting movement with our uh, our legal case with Pacific Legal Foundation. Um, uh, around the end of February, after five months of deliberation, the judge decided that uh, we didn't have the right points on our case. So mm-hmm. he uh, sided with the government. So we have sent it back with new points because we're not going to give up. Um, and the lady who, uh, Carisha Lang, who I guess is the standing in chief for the Department of Community Health, uh, was the first lady I spoke to when I was doing the certificate of need. And she said, I'm so excited for you guys. This sounds like a great idea. It's something we really need. Well, if it's something we really need, why oppose me? Why not help me? And she, I feel like some of the people in certificate of need are trapped and they want to help, but they can't. And they know that we're right. Everybody that we've spoken to outside has said, you guys are right. But because of the way the law is written and because the the hospital community hospital association of Georgia is so into everybody's pockets and all of these all of these lawmakers and policymakers, it's so invested in them that they are just going to block us at every route. So um, I think in the next few years, you'll see a lot of interesting things coming out with certificate of need laws. I know uh, myself and Nicholas are working on our own discovery and investigation side of things. Uh, Americans for Prosperity, Pacific Legal Foundation, um, Margaret Snipes from Capital B News is also working on some things. Um, I think this, this is a topic that's going to gain a lot of interest very quickly once people start looking at it. So, uh, Katie, if people want to learn more about what you're doing or they want to contact you uh, or maybe, maybe they're listening to this and saying, man, I kind of ran up against this same thing in my state and I'd love to talk to Katie and learn some, some of the tricks of the trade, some of the things she's done. How's the best way to get in contact with you or learn more? Um, I would reach out through Pacific Legal Foundation. My case is on their page and uh, through the attorney, Josh Polk. Um, and we have all the information about how to fight certificate of need laws uh, and especially Pacific Legal Foundation. This is one of the areas that they excel in. Um, also on the face on Facebook via the Augusta Birth Center page is a great way to get hold of myself or my husband directly. Okay. Well, Katie, thanks for joining us. I, I really appreciate it. What a, what a, what a story. Um, I wish that this barrier wasn't there, but I really appreciate the fact that you are out there working hard to break this barrier. And again, as is always the case in these stories, it's, you're not just doing it for you, right? You're doing it for the women that you want to serve, but you're also not just saying, Hey, we want to do this. You, you want to break down certificate of need for MRIs, for ambulatory care, for all of these things so that we don't have government deciding what our healthcare options should be. We want consumers to decide that. So thanks. Thanks for doing that. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So listen, as we've always talked, the certificate of need is one of these barriers that government imposes upon a state. And we need to get rid of these laws because again, the free market's really good at deciding how many birthing centers there should be in a particular community. They're a lot better than government to decide that. The free market always does a better job at that. And again, these babies are going to be protected if 
if there's an issue or a problem, they will get them the care that they need. And uh, so that's, that's really important. If you would like to get connected uh, with Katie or with someone at Americans for Prosperity, send me an email at jeff at americanpotential.com. Uh, we're always looking for great stories. So send those stories to us, stories like Katie's. If you have one like that in, in this area, a certificate of need, a different area, we'd love to hear about it. You can connect with us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening to American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.